everybody out there. Welcome to another edition of the Gridiron Graduates. Hope you had a great week as always. I am, of course, Bill Rossetti, your host. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Ian Wharton. Ian, what is up, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey. Really happy to, uh, <laughs> happy to be on again this week. We've got a wonderful guest as, uh, as our NFL teams are are doing terrible this time of year, and so it's it's good to bring on a fellow suffering fan as well. Woo, we're all under 500. We sounded a little bit like happy days there for a second. We like pause, like, hey. Hey. <laughs> I'll just say this. My team has the best record of the three of us, but that's okay. Yes, we do have a special guest joining us this week. I've been wanting to get him on for quite some time, and I felt bad, you know, constantly nagging him, but I'm glad I finally got him in. Um... He's one of the good guys on Draft Twitter, an excellent mind, and he's with uh, Draft Breakdown and a bunch of other stuff, and let him introduce himself a little bit, tell us about himself. Mr. Jeff Risden is joining us. Jeff, what is going on, man? It is great to be with you guys, finally. Uh, I, I thank you for bugging me for so much, because uh, sometimes I need a little kick in the butt to get myself motivated, <laughs> so that, that's great. It's uh, it's fun to be on. Like you said, we all root for fairly lousy teams. Uh, we can fight about who has the worst team. I, I, I think as a Lions fan for over 30 years, I think I got some cake there. But, yeah, I I, uh, I do a lot of things. I've been writing for Real GM. Uh, this is my 12th season covering the NFL and the NFL draft for them. Uh, I'm now an editor at Sideline Report, uh, and that's going very well. We're actually uh, uh, shooting well past what we thought we would. So uh, that's that's a fun thing. Uh, I'm on Draft Breakdown. That's where a lot of people know me from. Uh, I'm definitely – one of the old guys on draft Twitter. Uh, I enjoy being the curmudgeon at times, which is kind of fun, and, and steering away from the, the, the massive sheep at times as well. So uh, it's, it's great to be on with you guys to uh, to share and to learn. Yeah, and it's definitely great to have you on. So, uh, so let's jump into it. Let's, let's start a little bit in the NFL, though, because I think we kind of have to talk about some of the injuries that happened uh during this week the biggest of course at least in my opinion has to be the Andy Dalton injury um an injured thumb probably knocks him out for the rest of the regular season and once we get to the playoffs we'll see how long he misses there um so AJ McCarron now steps in at quarterback so Jeff I'll start with you uh Cincinnati seemed to have high Super Bowl hopes with the way they've been playing because they've been playing outstanding I thought personally they were you know, still a dark horse to uh, to make a run to the Super Bowl, but now that Dalton is out and you have McCarron in there, and we're not sure what we're going to get with him. What's your take now on the Bengals going forward without Andy Dalton? Well, if there's any team that can absorb losing a slightly above-average quarterback and still be a, a contender, it's the Bengals. Uh, they've got a fantastic roster. Uh, I've maintained all year that from man one to man 53, they're the deepest, most talented roster in the league. Uh, they might not be the most top-heavy talented team, but in terms of depth of talent and quality uh, and coaching staff as well, that they have an exceptional coaching staff there, they can weather this storm as long as A.J. McCarron isn't terrible. Uh, he made a couple of terrible throws in the Pittsburgh game, but by and large, he, he wasn't all that bad. I mean, the pick six obviously looks terrible, and that's what everybody's going to remember. He made some really nice throws down the field, too. He does not lack confidence. He compared himself to being Tom Brady in the same situation. I think that's a little presumptuous, but you know what? That, that shows 
you know, he's trying to get that team to rally around him and believe in him. And uh, it's not inconceivable that he will be as good as bad Andy Dalton and bad Andy Dalton was still good enough to get that team into the playoffs. So I I think they're going to need some help. I think they're going to need to have their defense play and produce a little bit better than, than what they are. But I'm not counting them out yet, and uh, it's not inconceivable for A.J. McCarron to to carry them in, and then Andy Dalton comes in uh, maybe wild card week, maybe the week after that if they happen to get lucky and get a bye and and take them. And, you know, I said at the beginning of the year in the preseason, this is a team that can make the Super Bowl, and I think they will win a playoff game this year. I don't know if they'll win more than that, but uh, you know what? I'm not writing them off yet. Not No way. I mean, they still look like they're going to win the division. I mean, they have. They got know, a big lead. <laughs> they, they still have a good lead, uh, and they, you know, play San Francisco this weekend. So, on paper, it should be a win for them, and it should uh, get them much closer to the division titles. And then, of course, Denver in Week 16, uh, big game as far as seeding goes, because New England looks like they're going to get the number one seed. So, the winner of that game all but likely is going to get the two seed. Ian, what about you? What's your thoughts here? Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting how back and forth the top three seeds have gone uh, over the last month. I mean, a month ago we were sitting here, New England's undefeated. They're still pretty healthy. Um, they look like they're not only going to cruise to the number one seed, but they're also possibly going to get the undefeated season. A um, month later, or I should say really two weeks later, and it looks all in doubt. You know, they come off two straight losses. This is a team that's lost. Um, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball as far as injuries, and they just, they, they're not looking like the, the same dominant team. Fast forward to today, like you said, they're, they're definitely the odds on favorite, I think, for the number one seed. They've got an easier schedule than, uh, the Broncos and the Bengals, and now they're the only team with a healthy quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what's going on with the Broncos. Um, the Bengals, I think, are, are in trouble. I think that they're gonna win this week against San Francisco, but if they lose out their last two games, if Pittsburgh wins out, and ties them, I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh has the division tiebreaker because of the head-to-head matchups. Um, so, I mean, they, they may be in danger there. I'm not, I'm not going to presume too much. I agree with Jeff. They are a supremely talented team. Um, but I, I don't know. I just I don't know about A.J. McCarron. Um, I, I'm not a fan of his. I never really, never really was a fan of his. Um, he doesn't have too much heavy lifting to do, but I'm just not sure. You know, it's Dalton has been playing pretty well this year. Um, especially comparatively to the other young quarterbacks across the league, so I I think they probably do win out. They do win enough to just clinch, and that's and partially that's I don't have any faith in the Steelers after what we've seen from them this year. As good as they can be, they just have too many brain farts uh, that have interrupted their progress. So it, it's I, I hope Dalton comes back because I really like Marvin Lewis. I think he's gotten a really tough reputation. Because um, he hasn't won a playoff game, but I mean, I respect the hell out of what he's accomplished there, uh, with a tough owner- ownership situation, limited resources as far as uh, re- um, not not necessarily staff, but is um, scouting. They don't really have like a full staff when you compare to them uh, to other franchises. So I, I really respect what they do. I love how they build their team, how they let guys go into free agency. They just build from within constantly, replenish from within, and develop. I think that's the model franchise for anybody, and uh, they're one of the few teams that have actually pulled it off, and I, I just hope that they're rewarded for that effort at some point. Yeah, so, you know, hope, like I said, hopefully Dalton comes back, and we'll see if they can make a run. 
Uh, so let's jump back now to the college game because that's why we brought Jeff on. We wanted to pick his brain a little bit about some of these bowl games. You know, obviously we talked about the bowls last week, but just kind of like from a games perspective, this week we're going to look at it more from a draft perspective. Talking about some of the some of your guys' favorite prospects from some of these games. So we'll start with the some of the New Year Six Bowl games. We'll start with the you know, we'll we'll look at the semifinals first. We'll start with Clemson, Oklahoma. You know, like we talked about last week, two great offenses. Um you know, Deshaun Watson, who I personally think should have won the Heisman, but I mean you know, I understand them giving it to McCaffrey. Uh, and then Oklahoma with uh, Blake Mayfield. You know, we'll see how his help. Um, so, Jeff, looking at this game uh, from a draft perspective, who are some, some of the players you're most looking forward to watching here? Yeah, um, I'm looking on defense first at Clemson. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson's a, a great quarterback. He's not draft eligible yet. Uh, he's going to be a fun one next year for all of us to watch. Uh, Clemson's defense, they've got guys all over the, that defense that are going to make a dent in the NFL. Uh, you start with, with the tr- superb defensive end, Shaq Lawson, uh, one of the better pass rushers in this draft. Uh, he absolutely destroyed Ronnie Stanley, who's very highly regarded as a, a left tackle from Notre Dame. I don't happen to be that high on Mr. Stanley, but uh, and part of the reason is because I watched what Lawson did to him. Uh, he's a speed-to-power guy who can also really bend. Uh, uh, one of the big things that I look for in pass rushers is I like guys with loose ankles. Uh, it was something that I was taught a long time ago with, as, from a, a seasoned scout. He said, watch a guy when he turns the corner, how low his ankles get to the ground and how, how much they can bend. And his do it, uh, it, it's, it's really impressive to watch. Uh, he's a very good football player, uh, going to be a top 15 pick more than likely. So he, he's a fun one to watch. Uh, you got the their cornerbacks, both of them uh, I, I'm high on. Cordrea Tangersley, he doesn't get a lot of love. Uh, he's kind of a physical, uh, some would say grabby, uh, not top-end fast, but a really smart corner. I think he's going to be a solid number two corner in the NFL just the way he is at Clemson. Uh, and the guy that got on the other side, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, He's real smooth. Uh, he, he can be a little soft at times, but, man, he's he's confident. He kind of reminds me of a high-end D'Angelo Hall, a uh, place with that same sort of mentality. Uh, D. Hall, for, a lot of people hate on him, but he's made a pretty good career out of being who he is, and I think An- Alexander can do the same sort of thing. Uh, they've got a six foot five, 220-pound thumper of a safety uh, in uh, – uh, what's his name? I can't even think of it now. Uh, the big Kirsch. guy. Yeah, yeah, yes, thank you. Yes, Mr. Kirsch, thank you. Um, yeah, he's uh, he looks like Taylor Mays uh, playing, but is so much better than him. Uh, he's a hill tackler, uh, has some sideline-to-sideline range. Uh, probably not a guy that you want in deep coverage, but a guy that you can play in shallow coverage, a guy who can play that, that Dion Buchanan extra linebacker role. Uh, Mark Barron's playing it now, too, in St. Louis to some degree. He's a guy that can play in that, too, that – very exciting Clemson defense. Uh, I can't wait to watch them because th- that that's a fun team. And and the way Oklahoma plays with Baker Mayfield as a quarterback that I, that I really like. Uh, Sterling Shepard is a fantastic wide receiver. Uh, probably not as good of a an NFL prospect as a lot of people think, but he's a tremendous college receiver. Uh, and they've they've got some linemen there that uh, they're young, but they can play. It, it's going to be a great matchup. 
I'm really glad that they ended up pairing those two teams together too, just because stylistically, um, I think it sets up really well for Alabama as well. Um, eventually, we'll, we'll touch on Alabama here in a minute. Um, but no, Jeff, I, I agree with you. Let me ask you about a little bit more about Curse. Um, I saw a criticism of him in Bob McGinn's piece, and for those that don't know Bob McGinn, every year he publishes a bunch of draft thoughts from the uh, draft community, um, scouts, GMs, executives, and does a really nice job of encapsulating what will happen in the draft. And I think he'll do it again come springtime, closer to the draft, where he's making predictions. Um, but generally, he gets a very good pulse of the scene. Now, he had mentioned with Curse that a scout had, had cast doubt on him because of his frame and said that because he's 6'5", he asked the question of how many successful safeties are 6'5 in the NFL. Um, and it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I guess I never really thought of that um, with the size stigmatism toward safeties. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that like the, Do you think that's a debilitating size at 6'5"? It, it very well could be. Uh, the tallest safety I can think of is Cooper Taylor of the Giants, who's 6'4", uh, and and he moves the same kind of way that Curse does. Uh, there is some stiffness to him. Uh, yeah, I, I do worry about that as well, uh, and that, that's why I do have some doubt about how great he can be. That's why I like him in that hybrid uh, safety linebacker role, though. I think at 6'5", if you put him in that linebacker role where he's, you know, a playing over the tight end and running with the tight end or crashing the box as your your basic de facto inside linebacker, I think that mitigates a lot of the worries that you have about that. And the more defensive coordinators are becoming more more useful with that role and more creative. And so I think a good, you know, creative defensive mind will, will do wonders with him. Now, if he goes to a, a vanilla system like a Lovey Smith or a Jim Schwartz, uh, where they play just basic things at the back, uh, he's going to be wasted and, and probably will be out of the league quickly or, or moving on quickly. And so, yeah, that, that's a worry. But uh, I, I like to focus on what a guy can do at this point, uh, even though uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I tend to point out things that they can't do uh, quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, there he can be a very useful weapon, but he definitely needs to be used in the proper context. Otherwise, uh, you're going to be looking at a – you know, he, he's not going to be much better than Johnson Patamosi at safety if he's used wrong, and that that's just not good. Oof. Or Shiloh Keo is another one. <laughs> oh man, every time I see Jonathan Patamosi on the field and it's not special teams, it's uh, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. He's one of the worst NFL players, I think. Yeah, and if you if you're asking Curse to cover your, uh, you know, if he's supposed to cover Gronk 25 yards down the field there's going to be problems. You know, he, he's not even going to cover Garrett Graham 25 yards down the field. But if you get him where he's in a zone or a shell where he can play within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, I think you've got a very, very good, impactful player. And I'm glad that a team like Arizona has done that with uh, Deion Buchanan because I was a big fan of Buchanan coming out, and I, I like him more than I like Curse. Um, but in general, though, I agree, though. I think there are these specialty roles, and, and you look at teams, especially like um, Arizona's done it. Todd, well, Todd Bowles has really done it everywhere he's been. Um, but you he's look at great, Bowles, isn't he? Oh, Miami <laughs> screwed up so bad by not hiring him at the time. Anyways, let me not get off on that one. But <laughs> but yeah, what he's done with Calvin Pryor, what he did with Deion Buchanan, um, you see it around the league. You see you see a couple defensive coordinators here and there. 
Uh, New England, Bill Belichick does a wonderful job with it as well. This, you know, Belichick, and i, I got to give him some praise here, he'll take smart players, put them in a very specific role, and you see them play pretty well. And even though he misses on receivers and defensive backs more often than not, um, other places on the field he's able to get guys, to, and like you mentioned, what can I get him to do and be successful? And then he just kind of puts them in that role to the extreme, and then you see productive players um, that were failures elsewhere. So I, I think that Curse, a guy like Curse, and, I, and just kind of in more of a general draft statement, um, you really hope to see some of these players go to situations where they're put into a better situation than not, and they're, they're not the victim of uh, poor talent evaluation and or um, poor coaching and, and poor misunderstanding between the front office and the coaching staff. That was a nice conversation. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can, we can talk bowl games all the time. You want to talk uh, Alabama-Michigan State? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Definitely. Let's let's move on. Yeah, because we that was definitely good coverage of Oklahoma Clemson. Thanks, guys, for you know, kind of especially enlightening me. I feel smarter already. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But yeah, let's uh... <laughs> see that. That's why I bring these guys on because I learn stuff too. You know, I may not know a lot about football, but at least these guys teach me too. So it's fun. Hey, we're we're always learning. I, I learn new things all the time. Uh, this is and, true. You know, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and and I still learn things from from very young people who point things out to me that I'm like, you know, it, it helps to take a fresh view sometimes. Uh, and I I try to present that, and I try to also be open to that. And I think uh, that's something that as a draft community, uh, both online and and in the NFL as well, uh, is something that needs to be improved upon because I think there's a lot of people that, that are too close minded and, and just don't see things with a wide enough view. And, that, and that's very unfortunate. I think it makes the, the whole product both for what we do as, as people who put out productions for, for websites and, and magazines and so forth. And also people in the NFL who just don't seem to see things the way where the NFL is headed. Uh, and I, I think that lack of foresight is really bad. And I, I I'll, I'll segue right into uh, the Alabama game with that Alabama has a player in Reggie Ragland, who I think is exactly where the NFL is going at the linebacker position. He's big, he's physical, he's smart. Uh, like Ian said, he, he's a perfect Belichick player because he's very smart, very intelligent on and off the field. Uh, people are going to knock him because he's a little bit of a stiff mover, but man, he, he's, I've never seen him where athleticism is a problem and him getting to the ball at the right time. Uh, and and I, I, I'm, he's one of my top five players in this draft. Uh, he's not going to get drafted that high, but, uh, man, for, for what he offers, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Reggie Ragland of Alabama. Let me, let me ask you something about him, Jeff. And I've got, I got two questions here, but I'll start with the one. Do you, now, obviously, he plays in the 3-4 defense uh, for the majority of his snaps there at Alabama. Do you see him as a fit for a 4-3 defense? And if you do, uh, do you see him as a pure middle linebacker, or do you see him more of a strong side type? Uh, I would much prefer him in a 3-4 defense. Uh, I think he can play in a 4-3, and, and your question is a good one, because I'm not sure where he fits better in that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that he could run the middle, but at the same time, uh, I've seen a lot of different incarnations of the 4-3 uh, and he's not for every team there. I think he would be better served in, as a strong side linebacker. Uh, if you're looking at 
uh, like a Lovey Smith or a Jim Schwartz or, or any of the, 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 the Jim Johnson disciples, uh, that sort of defense, uh, Rod Marinelli down in Dallas. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't want him in the middle with those teams. I think he'd be better served as a strong side, but if you put him in a different sort of an amorphous defense, uh, I, I think he could play in a four, three. And I, I do think he's a three down linebacker at the next level. I don't think you have to take him off the field. Uh, you obviously have to use him smart. He, you, this is another guy that you don't want turning and running with fast tight ends or slot receivers, but at the same time, he can blitz from, from the inside or from the outside. He's proven that uh, very adept and savvy on the screen and, and the quick slant. And I, I, I think he can stay on the field for all three downs. And that's a huge factor uh, that you just don't see a lot of those guys that, that are coming in anymore that can do that right away. And I think he can. Yeah, I, I actually, I tend to agree with you. And especially, I think, as I'm starting to look at these linebackers, I kind of caught myself. I was like, man, do I actually like him more than Jalen Smith? I was like, man, that's kind of an interesting. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know that you've got him. I know that you've got him higher. You've been pretty questionable on on Smith as far as um, the top five hype, um, and rightfully so, I think. So. I mean, you definitely watch parts of his game, and I think he still shows a lot of uh, the weak side linebacker traits that he was playing earlier in his career. I think that you can still tell that Smith is not a necessarily natural middle linebacker right now. I think he's more of a project than what uh, Big Draft seems to be selling. Uh, but kind of back to Ragland for a minute, my second part of the question is, how do you take into consideration, because we know how good Alabama's front four is. I mean, they legitimately probably have anywhere between three and maybe five. Oh, they're three, loaded. Day two picks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these they could literally start for an NFL team tomorrow and upgrade a couple of teams with what they're rolling out there in the front four, front front six, when you uh, take into consideration depth. So when you're watching a guy like Raglan, how do you try to take him away from the scheme? Because it's for me it's difficult because a lot of his looks are clean. He's not getting you know scraped against. There's not much there um, as far as that he has to work through traffic compared to some other linebackers that we've seen with lesser casts. Yeah, that that's definitely it's true, and it, it is hard to look at that sometimes because, I mean, you got guys like Ashawn Robinson and and Jerron Reed and Jonathan Allen and even guys like DJ Petway coming off the bench and uh, Tim Williams, the pass rusher. I mean, they they all attract attention, so he's very rarely seeing anything other than a fullback or maybe an H back coming at him, uh, and he's pretty good at dodging those. So what I'm looking for is is the ancillary parts of his game. Can he get out and, and blow up a screen pass on his own? Can he can he read the draw play? Can he attack, you know, different gaps other than just the A gap uh, against the run? And I, I do see those things. I, I see him being able to range outside, uh, play backside contain if he has to. He's good at all those things. So that 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 makes me feel more comfortable than uh, than when you see other guys that that you know have the free reign uh, to do a lot more things in college that don't necessarily have the freedom because of, of who's in front of them. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a linebacker right now that doesn't have, that's a good prospect that doesn't have a good team in front of him. Uh, if you look at Jalen Smith, he has a pretty darn good front four in front of him at Notre Dame as well. Uh, i trying to think, you, you know, I'll, I'll use a guy. Uh, he played for Kansas last year. Oh, uh, Ben Heaney. Yeah, uh, he he had nothing in front of him and still made a lot of play. He's been a better pro than I think a lot of people thought he would, myself included. Uh, so in that context, I, I kind of like to see what those guys do on their own more. Um, and, and 
at the same time, with, with guys like Ragland who are protected by, by a great defensive line, I still like to see them, you know, how they fit in the structure of that good defense. Because what if they do wind up on a good defense, whether it does have a good defensive line? Uh, some guys can't actually handle that. I think that was one of the problems that Aaron Curry had uh, when he came in, uh, the, the, the famous bust uh, linebacker who was safe. Uh, A.J. Hawk was the same sort of way. He couldn't really handle having good lines in front of him uh, and, and being in different roles. And I, I don't think you're going to have that problem with Ragland. No, that's a great point. That's, that's really good. And how do you think, so kind of shifting back to the game, um, I, I'm glad that you're a big Ragland fan as well because, I, like I said, I, I kind of caught myself. I was like, oh, man, should I, should I really be feeling that way against kind of a throwback linebacker? Um, but so kind of attacking that defensive front, if you're Michigan State, What's your what's your plan of attack? I mean, now to give credit to Michigan State, they've got some talent on that front, uh, that front offensive line. I mean, Jack Allen, I think, is a fantastic center. Um, he is. His, his brother's a good young interior lineman as well. Um, can't think of his first name, but I know he's another Allen that they've had to play when Jack Allen was hurt. Um, Conklin's another talented player. Uh, I, I think he's going back for his senior year, which is the right decision in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're Michigan State, what are you what are you doing to get over this physical front? I think you have to stretch them horizontally, uh, and that's going to require their running backs. Uh, it's going to require Connor Cook to be sharp at getting the ball out quickly on quick slants and outs and things like that. Uh, if you saw how Ole Miss attacked them, that's sort of what they did. They, they did a lot of quick-hitting plays that made them guess, run, or pass. They couldn't sell out to one or the other, uh, and, and that worked. Uh, Florida actually tried that. Their quarterback was just horrible uh, and couldn't do it. Uh, Connor Cook, if He's the key to that game to me because if he's on and, and making the money throws that I've seen him make, uh, they have an abs- they can absolutely beat Alabama and they can put some points on them uh, because I do think that they're the Alabama secondary, specifically Eddie Jackson and and his side of the field is vulnerable. Uh, I, I think with all Nick Saban defensive backs, they're overrated because they're well coached. I'm not necessarily sure, sure that they're great athletes, and I don't think that they're going to be big-time players in the NFL. I think they're going to be backups by and large. Uh, and Connor Cook to Aaron Burbridge, uh, there, there's a guy who's he, he's really moved himself up because he, he can make catches away from his body. He can get himself open. He can create separation with, with both his feet and his and his upper body. So, yeah, that, they've got a shot at this, but uh, it is going to take tremendous play from uh, – uh, I, I'm glad you like Jack Allen. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. Uh, when, when he was out, Michigan State's offense really suffered. Uh, and he actually went in and played left tackle for a while and was a lot better, a lot better at left tackle than Jack Conklin was. So that, that said a lot to me about Conklin, but also about Allen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I was watching, I went through and watched um, all but the Maryland game for Connor Cook. And the two guys that I kept watching more than Cook were Allen and Burbridge. Um, what are your thoughts on Burbridge? I know that you mentioned, I, I'm totally with you here, especially on Bama Secondary. They are very vulnerable, um, especially, I think, to a guy towards Burbage. Burbage, I, I like to liken him to um, Brandon Lloyd. He reminds me of kind of Brandon Lloyd as far as, like, the circus catches, the ability to, to win at the catch point despite not really having, like, tremendous traits. Um, what are your thoughts on not only Burbridge's matchup with Bama, but then also Burbridge going to the Senior Bowl and Burbridge eventually entering to the NFL? What are your thoughts on his 
prospects. Yeah, he kind of snuck up on me. Uh, I, I live in Michigan. I live about 90 miles from Lansing, uh, and I've been to two Michigan State games this year. Uh, and, and where he, he stood out, I was at their opener at Western Michigan, uh, where Connor Cook was not good, uh, and Aaron Burbridge was. He was fantastic in that game. Uh, made made several catches uh, that he didn't really have any business making. And, and Western Michigan, is for a MAC school, they've got some talent in that secondary and on that defense. So, yeah, he's – I like the way you, you described him. He doesn't win with traits. He wins with skill uh, and ability, and I think that's important. I, th- I think that's something that we see a lot of guys that can't do that. The guys who only win with 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 traits, uh, I think you see that in Devontae Adams, who's kind of a similar build of a receiver, but uh, just not nearly as good of a football player as Aaron Burbridge. And another thing uh, with Burbridge, uh, and I, I'm going to sound like an idiot because I poo-pooed this earlier tonight talking about Laquan Treadwell being his best attribute being his blocking. Uh, he's a very good blocker. Uh, and, and while that's a gravy trait for wide receivers, it's an important one too. And for, I know some scouting departments, uh, and the Patriots being one of them, they look at that very highly. So he, he's going to elevate himself. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him at the senior bowl. I think he's going to be a, a breakout player down there, uh, when he gets a more consistent quarterback throwing to him because, uh, Connor Cook, as good as he can be, he can also be really, really off. Uh, I saw that for myself, uh, even in warmups at Western Michigan, he wasn't completing 50% of his passes in warmups. He, he can be wild. Uh, now when he's dialed in, he's very good. Um, but my, my comp for him is, is sort of a, a middle-class man's Matthew Stafford. I think he has his upside as a quarterback is what Matthew Stafford is right now. And if you ask Lions fans like me, uh, if you want that as a first round pick, They'd probably say no. I, th- I think there's a lot of Lions fans who are ready to move on from that. Uh, and I, I do think that Cook is going to get taken a little too high for, for what he offers uh, because his 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 downside is, man, his downside is not even being a backup in the NFL because uh, there, there are some issues with him off the field. Uh, they're going to come out. They're overblown, but they are still there. Uh, so, yeah, it's... It's nice to focus on Burbridge and Allen, and, and Shalit Calhoun is a guy who I think uh, a lot of the draft people are, are too down on because of what he can't do. Uh, there's another guy who's a very good football player. It reminds me a lot of Preston Smith last year, a guy who's not winning all the time with, with great athleticism, but he's got strong technique. He's a smart, high IQ football player. Uh, and, and very good against the run. He can crash the edge. Uh, if you watch him against Iowa, he abused a pretty darn good Iowa offensive line. So th- there's a lot to like with, with what Michigan State has, too. Yeah, I agree. I like that you brought up Calhoun, too, because I had him as like a third, fourth-round type entering the year. And as I was watching their games, I was like, man, he, he looks quicker. He looks more efficient with his movement. And all of a sudden, I'm like, can, can this guy be like an Olivier Vernon-type player? Um, that is actually like a competent second pass rusher in the NFL, and, and I, I was, you know, I was really thinking of that to myself, and I, I'm really starting to sell myself on him as more of like a day two type of player that can actually you can get into the system. And, and like you mentioned, he's not like a super athlete, so he's not going to be like that high upside pick. Um, I don't, I at least I don't think so. I think he needs to add weight as well um, to kind of fill out his frame. But you know, I think he's a good player. Like, and, and I wouldn't have found myself saying that a year ago. Maybe, maybe it was the hype. Because the hype on him was so high, like a uh, big draft had him as like a top 15 pick, and I think that's where most guys soured on him. It seems to be for me where draft Twitter tends to uh, overcompensate 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's being kind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that? Yeah. Oh no no no! This guy's not worth that top. And, and we had like this weird ideal, idealistic um, thought of top 15 picks or like top five picks and what's that supposed to mean. And the reality is like it, you can't do it like that in a vacuum. Every class is very different and very unique. And we have to kind of pump our brakes and say, you know, over the course of the next five years, what's it actually mean? We can't really just be instantly gratified by it. But anyway, long story short, um, I think Calhoun was one of those victims um, to draft Twitter's wrath. And, and, and I think that he has shown improvement as a senior as well. Um, because he's creeping up my board suddenly. Yeah, I like him as a solid, you know, day two prospect, uh, middle of the second round. Uh, probably, I'd, I'd like to see him go to a man. I hate to keep bringing up the Patriots, but he would be fantastic there. Uh, I'd like to see him in Green Bay. I think the Packers could use him uh, in that Julius Peppers role. He's he's a little stiffer than than Peppers is, but uh, he, he can definitely play that kind of role. Wow, that was uh, that was really enjoyable. I gotta say, that was uh, a lot of good info. I didn't think uh, talk about Sparty could. Oh man, you got you got a Michigan guy in here. You got, I gotta fire up about the that, Spartans, man. That, that's, they're they're that's, a local a point, great yeah. white hope. <laughs> no, Even I'm though like... I'm a Buckeye at heart and uh, an Ohio <laughs> Bobcat at heart, uh, maybe it's the color scheme, you know, because they're both green and white. Uh, I find myself pulling for Sparty to beat uh, their old nemesis in Nick Saban, who yeah. uh, left there on not so very good terms, uh, as he, he is wont to do. <laughs> no, but uh, you know. Thanks, guys, for kind of taking the reins a little bit there and uh, just going back and forth on some of these guys. That was uh, that was real cool. For sure. And speaking of uh, Ohio, Jeff, you guys are playing Saturday. Yes. Yes, 84, we are. Appalachian State. What, what do you got in this game, man? I haven't, I haven't watched either of these teams all year long. I have not watched Appalachian State at all. I know that they have a couple of good players uh, on their defense. Uh, I haven't seen them yet. Uh, my Bobcats... They're inconsistent. They, they played four different quarterbacks this year. Um, everybody knows Vic. Uh, he's not related to the Vic family from Virginia <laughs> Tech. Uh, he, he's a Nebraska kid who came on it with Frank Solich, sort of a dual threat kind of guy. Same sort of style as the Vic, which is really ironic that they're not related. They don't really have much in the way of NFL prospects this year. Uh, their best guy is Terrell Basham, a defensive end. Uh, late round, probably undrafted guy. Uh, he's been kind of miscast. He, he, as a freshman, he was fantastic. And this was a guy who was recruited by, like, Virginia Tech and Cincinnati, Louisville. And he chose to go to Ohio and, and was the MAC defensive freshman of the year a few years back. Then they moved him inside to tackle. And he's been playing kind of a tackle end sort of hybrid role at about 260 pounds. Uh, it works in the MAC. It doesn't work when they're not in the MAC. Uh, I'm curious as to see what Appalachian State has uh, on their offensive line and how it will work. Uh, when I was at Ohio from 1990 to 1996, we won seven football games. So just getting to a bowl is a fantastic accomplishment for me. If we win, all the better, but I, I don't expect to win. Uh, that's a good That's a good, uh, that's a good. point there. It's so weird. Like it, I don't understand how, how that happens. When you've got like a stud defender, especially in college, and, and Rutgers, I'm going to you know, give them the, the middle finger here too. When you've got a stud like Kamiko Ture and you're not using him every single play, it just grinds my gears. Like you Oh, man. Building I, around that play. I went to the Michigan-Rutgers game this year, had my notepad ready. I wrote down every play he was in. 
I got to four. Jeez. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so let me ask you a question on this, Ian and Bill. Uh, how do you justify using a draft pick on a guy who wasn't good enough for whatever reason to play in college? Uh, there, he's clearly an athletic beast. Uh, he's going to test off the charts. Uh, it sounds like he's either coming out or not going back to Rutgers, one or the other. Um, what do you do with a guy like that? Because personally, if you can't play in college, I don't think you can play in the pros. Now, there are some limited exceptions, but, man, that just scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you'd put more than, like, a compensatory pick into him, um, which is shocking. I mean, Justice Mosqueda was talking preseason and he was like guaranteeing that he'd be like a top five pick if he was actually see the field and you know obviously maybe that was a little you know hyperbole but like you you legitimately watch him and if you were to just isolate his snaps like he is an extremely impressive player like he is what people wanted Dion jordan to be as far as like an athlete so he's a freak like he is he's going to be one of those guys that like spark people love um and he he flashes real football talent it's just there's nothing really there to suggest that he can do it over the long haul. I don't know, man. Like he's to me that type of player that you're gonna take. Like I said, end of round three, and it's gonna be a really good team, like uh, Cincinnati or someone. They're gonna take a flyer on him, and then in two years from now, they're gonna start using him in sub packages, and he's just gonna be like a monster. He's gonna get like ten sacks in sub packages only, and people are gonna be, oh, where'd this guy come from? And it's yeah. going to be, like, some shocking thing. But, like, the reality is, is he always had that talent. I just don't understand, like, how that happens. Like, it's it, you don't see it happen too much, really. But it's just so it's such a unique thing. I mean, I hope he goes and transfers to, like, um, I'd love to see him go to, like, Youngstown State or something, um, get some quality coaching and maybe play right away. I, I'm not sure it's like as far as, like, the his transfer status. But um, I'm with you. He needs to get out of Rutgers one way or the other. Yeah, and I'll just say, like, I mean, I haven't really got to see much of the kid, so, um, you know, I can't... Oh, there's hard to. There's not much, yeah. There's not <laughs> well, much to see yeah, yeah, I guess so, the way you guys are talking, but, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with Jeff. Like, if you're not playing much in the in college, it, it's going to be hard to, you know, play in the NFL. I guess just because, you know, there's just so limited film to go off of, teams are going to have a difficult time kind of figuring out, you know, what they can do with this kid, um... I mean, like I said, like, I, I don't know much about him, so I don't know exactly, you know, the, the way you guys are talking. sounds like he's a very athletic kid, so if, you know, if I get a chance, I'll have to come around to him. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a, but if he's your best player and you're only playing him a couple snaps, then that's an <laughs> indictment on the coaching staff, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, well, they got fired, so maybe there is uh, something well, there to you that. Go. So. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Because there was a we just had that story that Rutgers hired um, a guy. They hired Ohio State's defensive coordinator. And Ohio State's new defensive coordinator is Rutgers' former coach. Oh, oh, don't remind me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that'll be a, that'll be interesting. I'm not a Luke Fickle fan, so I I think that's going to be. I don't know though. He's an awfully fiery guy to have have on uh, Urban Meyer's staff, so that'll be kind of interesting, because cause, uh, Ash, yeah, that's right, Ash went to Rutgers, so that yeah, should be should be a fun time, but 
bunch of DCs in in the Big Ten switching spots with uh, Durkin going to to Maryland as well. I know they're pretty excited about Durkin. Yeah, Urban Meyer and Greg Schiano. That should be a uh, quite the pairing. I can't imagine Schiano will be there too long. I think that'll no. be like a one year thing. Yeah, then he'll he'll find something else. But uh, but speaking of Saturday, I know we we did touch on games. What what uh what games are you watching this Saturday, Jeff? I, I know that we talked about Ohio, Appalachian State, um, Louisiana Tech, Jeff Driscoll, um, oh, Big Draft God. Twitter's new love. It seems like uh, they they their Draft Twitter is looking at the wrong people at Louisiana Tech. They need to look at the secondary and they need to look at Vernon Butler in the middle of that defense. That guy is good. He is Nick Fairley without the attitude problems. He, uh, I think he can be that good. Uh, he's not as quick, uh, but but Fairley, for for as naturally athletic and gifted as he was, was only only showed that quickness about thirty percent of the time. Uh, you get the full money with Butler. This this is a guy. He's going to the Senior Bowl and he's going to rock the Senior Bowl. Uh, you can put me down for that. Vault me hashtag. <laughs> uh, and, and move himself up into no worse than the top 50. Uh, and there will be some people coming out of there who say that he's going to go in the first round. Uh, Driscoll, man, I hated him at Florida. I mean, this is this is the poster child for, for oh, he's a prominent recruit and he can't play. Well, he went to Louisiana Tech and, and got into a, a fairly conducive, pretty easy offense, and he can play. Uh, so I wouldn't draft him, but I've seen enough that I to like that you know you get this guy into your camp and, and keep him you know you do, you keep him on your practice squad or keep him as your third quarterback and see what you've got another couple of years with positive coaching. I mean, he 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 showed tremendous leadership and maturity in doing what he did and and quickly taking over a talented team. Uh, and they've got several guys, several NFL players there uh, for the Bulldogs that are, that are going to show out. Uh, a Darius Barnes in the secondary is another guy. Yeah, that that's a fun team to watch, man. It, that, if if you only can watch one game on Saturday, watch Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I'm with you. That's going to be the game I'm I'm really going to be focused in on. Well, I haven't seen Louisiana Tech all year, and I really like Kenneth Dixon, their running back. Um, kind of liking him. I was talking to, to to Bill before the show, and I had mentioned the name um, uh, Franklin, Jonathan Franklin from UCLA. Kind of reminds me of him, where he's not oh, yeah. like super. You know, super athletic. He's not like a crazy, um, talented kid as far as like he's not going to be like an elite running back. But I think he's a functional player. I think he's a good player in the NFL that just kind of sticks around uh, for a good while. Um, and I'm really excited to see that defense. I haven't seen them any of them at all. So I've been hearing about uh, about the nose tackle for a while now. So that'd be that'll be a good one. Um, what other bowl games are you watching for this bowl season? I know there's like 500 million of them, but yeah. um, do you have two or three of them that you're really focusing in on besides the the New Year Six? Yeah, um, uh, well, I, I because I live fairly close to Kalamazoo, I'm going to watch Western Michigan against Middle Tennessee in the Bahamas Bowl, uh, and I know that that's a crap game that nobody really cares about. Uh, but Western Michigan has got some guys that are going to play in the NFL, uh, two wide receivers who are NFL guys. Uh, Daniel Braverman is Julian Edelman 2.0. Uh, there's no other way to describe him. Uh, he's probably not coming out this year. Uh, he's, you know, 5'9", a buck 80 soaking wet, but you cannot lay a finger on this guy in the open field. He's incredible, catches everything thrown near him. 
Uh, Corey Davis uh, is a wide receiver. He might come out this year. Uh, I actually talked to their head coach last week uh, doing a radio interview with him, and, and he, he indicated pretty strongly that Corey was coming back, but that could just be coach speak preparing for the bowl. Uh, he's he's not – it's hard to put a finger on him because he's another guy. He doesn't necessarily win with, with athletic traits. He wins with skill and precision and being in the right place at the right time in the offense and executing properly. Uh, which leads me, you know, he's a number three receiver in the NFL, but can be a good one. Um, they've got an offensive tackle, Willie Beavers. Um, he holds a lot, but uh, I, I like him to Brian Bulaga in that regard. He, he holds 50 times a game, but if he only gets called three times for it, that's a win. Uh, and, and he can do that. He's a, he's a right tackle in the NFL, plays uh, left tackle there. Uh, they've got a cornerback, Ronald Zamort, who has made more plays on the football over the last two years than any other player in college football between interceptions and, and PDs. Uh, he's only about 5'9", maybe 5'9 and a half. Uh, can't tackle anybody, but uh, he'll get a look because he can play. And, and uh, Middle Tennessee has a safety, Dyers, uh, who, who's going to be a baller, uh, a guy who's going to rise up some draft boards once he gets in, in the workout circuit and, and shows what he can do that, you know, I love what Western Michigan is doing. They've got a dynamic young coach in PJ Fleck who's not going to be there long. He's like 35 years old. He's got his row the boat, you know, gimmick scheme that everybody buys into. He, he's a rising star in the coaching world. So if you're a, if you're a, a fan of a an AAC or a you know Mountain West type team, uh, he's going to be coming your way very soon. So you want to tune in for that one. So. I, you know, it's Christmas Eve. What else are you going to do? You know, you're going to be tired of your family. You're going to be two bottles of wine, and at least I will be. So, you know, it's <laughs> time to football. And a good a good thing, good little note on that is last year, that's where Paxton Lynch went bananas in the second it half. It is. And uh, so you never know what these games are. And I was telling Bill that last week, like, I'm going to probably just record or download, like, all these games and just watch them over summer. Because uh, you oh, just yeah. never know, like what you'll find. Some of these games end up being the best games of the year. Yeah, that Memphis BYU game last year. Aside from the the massive brawl at the end of it, <laughs> that was where Paxton Lynch really jumped out to me. Like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd seen, I watched a weird amount of Memphis football last year because I was really <laughs> interested in Martin Effetti. That's shame on me because he can't play. But in that process, I saw a lot of guys. They have, you know, aside from Paxton Lynch, they're they're, they got a couple of offensive linemen that, that are intriguing, uh, kind of late-round undrafted guys that might stick around. Yeah, you know, the, the, those are the fun bowls. I'm also really looking forward to watching Houston uh, because I think all four guys in their secondary can play in the NFL, uh, especially Jackson. He's a first-round talent to me uh, and, and is probably getting overlooked a little too much by, by both Big Draft and Draft Twitter. Uh, if you put him in Alabama or Auburn or LSU – you would be talking about him as a top 10 pick. Uh, that That's no joke. Uh, now, because he played in Houston and didn't always face the greatest quarterbacks, though he did face Lynch, uh, he's probably going to go in the, I'm going to guess, 25 to 40 range. Uh, but he's he's legit six foot and a half tall, uh, 210 pounds, very hyper aggressive to the football. Uh, if you liked the way that the, the Florida State cornerbacks play and, and Virginia Tech cornerbacks attack the ball, this is a guy you're going to love because he's he's more naturally gifted than all those guys from the last few years. So, including Kendall Fuller, who declared today, and uh, uh, man, you know I, Virginia Tech, they're they're going to a bowl. I don't know. I just I just don't have a good feel for them. I don't like any of the guys as much as most people do. Their daddy Nicholas or or uh, the, the big guy in the middle. Uh, 
I don't oh, like yeah, Fuller Moody. all that much, even though he's yeah. out. Yeah, Moody, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I, Frank Beamer. I'm glad he's leaving because the magic was gone, and uh, I, man, that. Yeah, it's hard to watch a program fall like that because they were so much fun to watch for so long. It's going to be really interesting to see how they react because didn't they hire uh, Dino? Hired Dino, right? From uh, No, they hired Memphis's coach. Oh, Fuente. That's right. They yeah. hired Fuente. Yeah, yeah they that's did. right because it broke down. That's right. So it broke down with Dino apparently because Virginia Tech forced um, Foster on the head coaching staff, the, that's the right. current D.C., so yeah. Babers didn't Babers didn't want to go there and deal with that shit because yeah. he's smart. Because what's gonna happen? <laughs> what's gonna happen is, I mean, you got to think about it. They he already has the locker room. The DC has the locker room. Absolutely. And this is what people with the Miami Dolphins fans are saying. Hey, you know, we can just keep uh, Dan Campbell on staff, but it's not that easy when that person already has the locker room and you're build, bringing in a new head coach. What happens when something goes wrong? Are the players gonna take? You know, Fuentes' spot? Or are they going to take the defensive coordinator's role? You know, which side are they going to take when stuff hits the fan? Because it will hit the fan. It's just a matter of time. You know, you've got to have everyone on the same page there. And hopefully for Virginia Tech it is. Um, because what Beamer built there is really respectable. But I'm, I agree with you. The last couple of years it seems like he's lost his magic. And uh, it, they definitely needed Fuente to, to come in. I think that was a really nice hire. But, but it was just really interesting dynamic there where, they they force the defensive coordinator on a head coach. It's like, yeah, I was yeah, that doesn't him. work. And and you you brought up the Dolphins with Dan Campbell. We're getting a lot of that in Detroit, where there's a lot of people that want to keep the defensive coordinator Terrell Austin with the next coaching staff, whatever whoever comes in and replaces Jim Caldwell as soon as he's fired, which can't happen soon enough. And and I'm with you on that. I don't want that. I want I want a clean house because you don't want to have those divided loyalties that only breeds trouble. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and I think that's kind of a shame in your guys' case. I, I, I like Austin, um, but it's just one of those things where it's like you either hire him to head coach or you got to get rid of him. Yeah, he'll be a good defensive coordinator somewhere else next year because uh, yep. he, he, he is a very talented guy, but he just can't stay in Detroit. It's just unfortunate. Yep. You know, one other game I did want to bring up, uh, I'm really looking forward to watching Mississippi, uh, and they're, they're playing Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State had a guy, Jimmy Bean, a defensive end who I really, really liked. One of the most improved college players this past year. Uh, unfortunately, he tore his ACL. Uh, and now everybody's all agog over Emmanuel Ogba on the other side. Well, for my money, Jimmy Bean is going to be the better NFL player because he's a significantly better athlete. Uh, and so I'm hoping that, that we'll see against a Ogba against Laramie Tunsil is, is a heavyweight brawl to me. And I happen to think that Tunsil is going to kick his butt uh, and show everybody the limitations in Ogba. Uh, Tunsil is my number one overall player. Uh, for me, he is the best offensive line tack, line prospect I've seen since Joe Thomas, who happens to be the highest graded player I've ever evaluated. So I, I'm super excited about him. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by Laquan Treadwell against Peterson, uh, the cornerback, uh, who's a little. He's going to give up some size, but certainly doesn't give up spunk. Uh, so there's, there's so many good matchups in that one too. Uh, there's a chance that Mississippi's quarterback, Chad Kelly's going to come out. I hope he doesn't, but if he does, I mean, this is a showcase game against a, a team that gave up a whole lot of passing yards. So that, that's going to be a fun one too. And that, that one I believe is on new year's Eve or new year's. That's a new year's day game. So, uh, Oh man, I'll be, I'll be four sausages and several cookies and a few beers <laughs> in them before that we'll get to that one. So that one might have to go in the DVR. <laughs> 
No, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that one out. I think that's a great matchup as well. And by the way, the, the Chad Kelly, I, I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was like one of those big draft people, or no, it was big media. It was like Ian Rappaport or someone like that that had tweeted it. Um, <laughs> he, he had like casually slipped in Kelly's name, and a friend of the show, and 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 uh, well, really all of our friends on Twitter, um, Justin Higdon was like, "Which Kelly are you talking about?" <laughs> I, I the That's same brilliant. Thing. I was like, "You got to be kidding me, Chad Kelly's going to come out." Like, I mean, he's had some good games this year, but my my goodness, with his off field issues, um, it I oh my gosh, I just can't imagine him getting drafted. You know, and, and it, we're also going to see does does Robert and Kemdj play. Uh, what you know? Does he have cuts on his back? I mean, is he is he going to pass a drug test? Is he going to pass probation tests? I mean, my, how do you jump out of a fourth floor window? I just don't get that. There's so many questions there. This is going to be a fun one to talk about uh, as as the draft process goes on because nobody really knows what the hell to think of this guy right now. Yeah, yeah it almost feels uh, almost like last year. It almost feels like a Randy Gregory situation where uh, I think as we get closer to the draft, no one's going to have any idea where he's going to be going come draft draft weekend. I think he could go anywhere from first round to, to maybe even day two to maybe even later, just depending on how this story develops. Yeah, you're looking at a guy that only had three sacks uh, for all of, you know, how awesome of an athlete he is and how versatile he is. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't finish plays. And he never has finished plays, and that that's something that's very important to me. Um yeah. Not to go on a diatribe against the whole disruption is production thing, but I've charted several NFL quarterbacks who throw a lot more touchdowns outside the pocket when they're rushed, uh, two of them being Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, who are much better when they're pressured in terms of throwing touchdowns than they are in the pocket. Uh, that whole disruption product versus production thing, you have to have to finish some of those disruptions. Otherwise, you're hurting your defense as a whole. Absolutely, and, and and it's important too in the NFL. And it's a good. I really like that you brought that up. Some offenses will will build their scheme around that. You look at Seattle. People take dumps on their offensive line, but what they don't understand is they know that Wilson is so good at creating and buying time and finding the open man and hitting them in stride. Throughout the chaos, they allow it to happen. They encourage. They want you to yep. come at Wilson because he's so good at it, and so. It, and I'm, I'm with you, and I think that there's a place for disruption. I think that it is important. Like, you would rather generally have disruption than not, but disruption just for the sake of disruption means nothing. You've got to have some sort of ability to eventually uh, finish those plays at a fairly decent rate, or like you said, otherwise all you're doing is just giving the offense more time. Um, if, you're, if you're allowing a guy to scramble around for six, seven seconds, you're actually just hurting the defense more. Yeah, look at look at Johnny Football uh, for for all that we've you know crapped on this guy and and all the myriad issues he has off the field. When he's on the field, if you keep him in the pocket, he's never going to beat you. If you get him outside the pocket, he's still dangerous. He's still shown some some life there. Yeah. Uh, so you you have to finish some of your pressures. You know, I agree with you there, Ian. You know, getting some pressure is important, and moving the guys off their spot and disrupting timing is important. Uh, absolutely, I don't want to undersell that. But if you can't finish your pressures reliably, uh, you're going to have a pretty bad defense. Am I on? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I tend to dominate conversations. No, no, no. I, I really appreciate. It. Like I said, I you know I. I thought it's real cool that you guys you two just kind of took the reins here so it's real neat 
you know, because you guys are the draft experts here, so I'm, I'm glad you guys are kind of going back and forth and going through some of these players, so it's real great. Um, we might go a little bit over. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Just give me one sec. I want to do something quick. I will... Okay, and we're back. Thanks for listening to that little uh, commercial break, even though there was no commercials. Hey, I'll throw in a commercial. Check out draftbreakdown.com. There's lots of awesome stuff on there. There, there there's, there's your commercial. And I, get <laughs> I definitely, and definitely listen. No. What's that? Definitely, definitely listen to uh, Jeff's spots on ESPN. I've been catching the last couple uh, where Jeff goes on ESPN radio and, and has done a wonderful job. It gives me a couple hours of of entertainment during the day. Um, oh, nice thanks. little yeah. unexpected fill. Yeah, no, I'm yeah really, it's fun. I really hope that you can get continue to get uh, bigger roles with them, man. You do a really good job. Thanks. It's a lot of fun. I do. I do. Uh, to, to build on the ad, it's ESPN 96.1 in Grand Rapids. Uh, I'm a guest host, fill-in host, co-host. Uh, Lions expert is my official job title there. Uh, but I, I, at this point, there, there's a lot of flux in the show, so I'm doing sometimes. I don't know when I'm going to be on, so just check Twitter uh, or, or check the station's listing. It's ESPN 96.1 WMAX. They're on iHeart, uh, so check that out, and, and thanks for listening. I, I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun doing those. There you go. So, yeah, definitely check out Jeff, and, yeah, we'd definitely love to have you back on in the future as we go through draft season. I have a question, though, for you, Jeff, as we were talking um, you mentioned how you're going to the Senior Bowl. I just yes. wanted to, because Ian and I have talked about this before, you know, it's something that I would love, a place I'd love to go to at some point, you know, one of these years. So I just want wanted to know if you could just talk a little bit about your experiences with the Senior Bowl and just kind of talk about, you know, what goes on down there. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. This will be my ninth year, I think, eighth or ninth. Um, the first year I was there, actually, the the first day that I ever went to practice, uh, I was right in the end zone. They used to have uh, shrubs on the inside where they have a fence now, so you could stand like right there. And I was maybe maybe five yards away from where O'Brien Schofield was trying to get around Vlad Dukas, and Dukas like torqued him into the ground and tore his knee. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was like the first five minutes of my first senior bowl practice. And I'm like, holy crap, what have I gotten myself into? Because (laughs) I mean, I haven't played football since 1987. So, I mean, I am out of the game. I don't coach. Uh, I I just analyze. So for me getting back that close to it and up close and personal, it was, it was eye opening. And, uh, I've learned, I've learned a lot from, from just, you know, sidling up next to guys who are, who are employed by NFL teams or big media, uh, more often than not, people are willing to talk and share ideas and, and you know, say, hey, oh, yeah, you know, I, I think I know who you are. They're lying to me. But, you know, it's cool nonetheless to, to build the, the relationships. Uh, and, you know, it's fun just, you know, just watching the players and and evaluating them. And, and you know, over the years, I, I've also gone to the Shrine game. This will be my, my sixth year going down there. Uh, and that one's even more open. You can you can actually talk to the players on the sidelines there. You can throw water to them if you want. Uh, uh, I've had tremendous conversations there with with players and coaches on the side. Um, it, it's all about the connections and, of course, going out at night, um, seeing the NFL coaches that you want to see drunk, they get drunk. 
Uh, I get drunk with them. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's it's social hour for for draft Twitter and big media as well, and and the intermingling between it, and you see who's comfortable with themselves and who's not comfortable with themselves, and who knows what they're talking about and who really doesn't know what they're talking about. And it's very easy to spot that after a couple of days down there. Uh, It's a whole lot of fun. Uh, I I never miss it. Uh, I'll go there as long as I can. Uh, I don't get much sleep in the week that I'm down there, but man, it's worth it. I I just absolutely love it. Yeah, definitely. uh, I guess I'd love to just go down there just to meet everybody, you know, meet you two. Certainly. Uh, you know, all the other big names on draft Twitter. Uh, it, it just seems like it's an awesome time. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the hotel lobby and, and Darren page is there with me uh, when we were doing Detroit Lions draft together, rest in peace with that site. Um, and, <laughs> and Jinx walks in and he's like, Hey guys, I know who <laughs> oh, you are. Can you give me a ride. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, my, I mean, my first it's, just, it, it's that kind of atmosphere. It's it's awesome. <laughs> it is. It is. My first senior bowl, I was there, and it was, uh, I was hanging out with Kyle Posey uh, for most of the week. And uh, Jinx comes on field, and he loved Billy Turner. Like I've never Oh, yeah, seen, he did. I've never seen a man have such like a hard-on for <laughs> an interior lineman uh, like that, especially like a, a D2 guy. And so he's like standing next to Billy and he's like, he, he like throws me his phone. He's like, take a picture of me real quick with him with Billy. So I like, take a picture of him. And it's just like, it was just so surreal. Like the first time I actually met him in person, he just like, Hey, and he like tossed me his phone on the field. So it really is. And it's a, it's a, it's such a cool environment. And anybody that that's able to go listener or analyst, whether you have credentials or don't, I really do recommend uh, going down there for a couple of days if, if possible. If for nothing else, the barbecue down there is fantastic. Oh, awesome food yes. game in Mobile. Yes. I'm hoping to make it down. I'm still not sure I will. Um, if I will, though, I'll, I'll get some guys some lunch one night uh, or, or some one afternoon. But uh, still trying to figure that end out. Jinx, you are a god. If you're listening to this, <laughs> you are a god. <laughs> <laughs> We'll bug him and those things to it. He, he almost started to cry when they didn't have ginger ale at the bar to do his uh, ginger and rye. <laughs> Just so many good jig stories, so many good, so many people stories. Uh, you know, last year we took Ethan Hammerman. It's a quick anecdote. Uh, he'd never been to Waffle House before, so we took him to Waffle House, and boy, was her, his eyes were opened to uh, a different sort of world than you get in in being in New York City. <laughs> Waffle House is so good. Oh, my God. There's one about two hours from me in State College. Oh, my God. By yeah, we don't, have, we don't have anyone anywhere near here, so it's a treat for me. <laughs> yeah, the closest Waffle House to me, I think, is about an hour away, so... It is uh, it's well worth it. Cheap, cheap, good food. That's for sure. Oh, best waffles ever. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. Best, their, their waffles are so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's. Oh man, we yeah we gotta hit the lottery so we can get down there this year. <laughs> <laughs> or hit DraftKings up or something like yo. Yeah, if DraftKings wants to sponsor us, we yes, uh, Dra- Dra- there you we'll go. Sponsor you out the wazoo. <laughs> For the rest of our lives, if you send this down to Mobile, Alabama, we'll do whatever you want. We'll, you know, we'll rock all the gear. We'll wear hats. We'll wear t-shirt. We'll do everything. I'll, I'll get a tattoo. No, I won't get a tattoo. But <laughs> now that would be a marketing opportunity right there. I will. Yeah, I'd be willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
just need to hit it up one time and that's it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely worth it. But uh, but yeah, so for the Senior Bowl, Jeff, what are uh, do you have any special guys that are really standing out to you uh, as the as the rosters are taking shape? I know you're probably a big Jacob Coker fan. Um, I know he, <laughs> he I'm sure he really stood out to you as a as a marquee name that that Senior Bowl Phil was able to get there. <laughs> you can you can always depend on the Alabama quarterback being there if they're a senior. Uh, we we dealt with AJ McCarron. We dealt with, uh, oh, who was the guy before him? Um, oh, I, don't, I can't even think of his name now. He's, John he was, David he, Booty or someone? Or no, it was uh, McElwain, Greg, Mc, Greg uh, McElroy. 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 Greg McElroy, yeah. McElroy, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's oh just, I mean, it's nice. Phil, Phil works for Alabama Broadcasting, so I understand what he's doing. And, and by and large, the stands are probably at least 60% Alabama fans that are there, uh, especially for the practices late in the week that are open. So, you know, I, I understand why they do it, but, man, he, he is not an NFL quarterback. He's barely a starter in the SEC, and the SEC has some pretty pretty god-awful starting quarterbacks in it this year. So, yeah, it's uh, – you know, some of the names that I've been looking at, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Taylor Decker down there. I think he, the Ohio State offensive tackle is a guy that I think isn't getting enough love. Uh, I know some people really like – I know Dane Brugler is a big fan of his uh, and has him, I think, in the top 10, if not the top 15. Uh, I don't love him that much, but I, I'm willing to learn to love him that much if he if he shows up pretty well down there. Um I love watching the defensive lineman go against the offensive lineman there. That that's the biggest treat. That's that's why you go there, uh, especially if you love that sort of mano mano combat. Uh, the receivers versus the cornerbacks is always fun too, uh, and, and you'll get some good battles with that. Um, man, we've seen some legendary ones, and there's there's going to be some good guys with that too. Um, I always like seeing uh, the small college guys that show up. Uh, I'm interested in uh, uh, Kyler Fackrell from Utah State. Uh, there's a guy who I, I watched early in the year. I watched him against Utah, and he didn't really do much for me. Then I watched him later in the year, and wow, man, where'd this guy come from? You know, he, he's, he's fantastic. And I so, you know, he excites me. Um, like I said, uh, Jackson from, uh, from Houston, the cornerback, excuse me, is a guy who I think is going to have a really big week. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing him. Um, Deion Jones, the linebacker from LSU, is a guy who's in my top 50, uh, and that's pretty ambitious uh, for his size. But he, like we were talking about earlier with, with, uh, with the Clemson safety, here's a guy who can play that hybrid linebacker safety role. Now, he's a lot bigger, uh, bulkier, but he moves well enough that he can do that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him, too, because uh, I think – by and large, Les Miles didn't know what he had in him, uh, and there, he's a he's a jack of all trades linebacker that I think is going to do very well down there because uh, one of the things in practice they have to blitz, they have to cover linebacker or running backs coming out of the, or tight ends, you know, in drills they have to do a bit of everything. Uh, you, you really get to see what they're good at and what they're not good at, uh, and, and for me that it's it's illuminative, uh, and I, I just love that. I'll just oh, one it. other guy. Can I bring up real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Cody Whitehair. I love Cody Whitehair, the, the offensive tackle out of Kansas State. A lot of people are going to want to move him into guard. And while I agree he would be a fantastic guard, I still think he's good enough to play tackle, uh, maybe right tackle instead of left tackle. But there's a guy, he's, he's in my top 35 uh, and has been there all year. He's a fixture there. You, you do not 
you just don't get around him. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does against some some more competent speed rushers off the edge because uh, th- this pass rushing class is kind of weird. You've either got you know real tacticians that aren't great athletes, or you've got superb athletes that don't know how to play. Uh, so I, I tend to think that the offensive line is going to look a lot better this year than they have in years past. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out too. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think the one guy that could really become like a star there will be Noah Spence. Uh, I think if Spence goes, obviously uh, the question for him is an on-field talent. Um, I haven't graded him or anything, but I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being like a top 15 overall player for me. Um, I don't really take into account like off-field stuff just because, I mean, I don't know. Unless if I can meet somebody and like spend time around him, I don't really try to dab into that too much. Um, but like, just as far as like on-field talent, man, this guy is so electric and I think that he's a guy he's going to last year. We saw, um, the three, four outside linebackers really struggle in dropping back into coverage, uh, at the senior <laughs> yes, <bowl. they> did. <laughs> <laughs> and, like Lorenzo Maldine really comes to mind there. Like he was just dreadful oh, man. when he yeah. tried to drop back. And I think that Spence is one of those rare guys that are, it might actually look good at it. And although that's not going to be something that teams really ask of him to do, it's just going to make him even more valuable to teams uh, that maybe want to use him in a multi-front defense. And the battles yeah, between definitely. he and Taylor Decker are going to be a lot of fun, I think, because he and Decker, I think, match up really well. Yeah, I'm looking at the – I'm trying to see any pass rushers that really excite me. I mean, uh, Jason Fanica, he's a power guy. You know, not going to – I don't think he's going to do very well down there um, – Matt Ioannidis out of Rutgers, sort of a pedestrian defensive lineman. I, I really do think you're going to see the, the offensive lineman shine. Uh, and, and it's good because they're, look around the NFL right now. Name a team that doesn't need at least two new offensive line starters, and, and you're probably not going to count past one hand. <laughs> it's, yep. it's bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I agree with you. And uh, Sheldon Rankins, I know he's on the interior, more of an interior type. Uh, I think he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch as well. Oh, definitely. You know, one one guy um, I just saw his name here, um, uh, Schobert from Wisconsin, who uh, the people from Wisconsin love this guy as they yeah. always do their players. Uh, they're they're yeah. certainly fiercely loyal to them until they become ex-Packers and then they bump on them like they're you know they're you know they're you know terrorists or something. <laughs> it's it's freaky how they turn on their people there, but that's that's for a different subject. But this is a guy. I think he's just a guy in the NFL. But you know what? If he if he shows that he can do something against defensive linemen down there, you know, I'm willing to, to give him an honest look and, and you know evaluate him and look through him with different eyes because uh, he certainly has impressive production numbers. And I am one of those people to go off on a little bit of a tangent. It's very hard to balance the production versus the potential with athleticism. Uh, and I, I tend to fall more towards the production side, uh, but I'm I'm leaning more the other direction in light of recent years. So uh, he's the guy that's going to test that for me because if he shows that he does well uh, and has the requisite athleticism that, that looks like it can, can keep his contributions going at the NFL level, I'm going to back him. Uh, and if he makes me look bad, I'm going to never forget it. Yeah. He's a, he's a really weird guy. Like I haven't watched too much of him, but like he's not like a measurables guy. He doesn't have great like length or great, great size. I think he'll be like, Six foot and change. I know he's measured at like, or they have him listed at like six two. I don't think he's going to be near that big. Um, but he's like six, maybe at best six one, and then like two hundred thirty five pounds. Um, I wonder if he's going to be more of like a three four inside linebacker 
than like an edge player, but I'm interested in him too. And like I said, I haven't watched a ton of him, just kind of like passingly. Um, I, the, the linebacker actually I'm really interested in is, is Deion Jones at LSU. I think he's he's smaller. He's 6'1", 227, so he's going to be like a weak side linebacker, uh, maybe like a, a sub-package star in the NFL, of course, where you're passing so much. It's not that you know, the size thing isn't always as big of an issue if, if you're rotating him onto the field. He's, he's a guy that really flashes to me as a really good athlete um, that can make special things happen. Yeah, always fun to watch the small school guys. Uh, the Killebrew guy out of Southern Utah, I've only seen one game, but man, he looks every bit of 6'3 and 225 uh, and, and looks like he is a pretty darn good football player. It's going to be fun to watch Jim Pop and some people going in the middle in the team drills. Uh, and, and I think, from what I understand, they're going to let them be a little bit more physical in the practices this year, which is nice. That was one of the, the big comment card suggestions from the NFL people to Phil Savage last year was, hey, let's see these guys go at it a little bit harder. And uh, hopefully they've taken that to heart. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Um, there's a really couple interesting secondary guys there, too. Like they, they added a lot of length to the secondary roster there. They've got a couple of D2 guys. Um, DeAndre Houston Carson, watch out for him, man, at, at William & Mary. Um, podcast buddy on Miami Pod, uh, Oscar Hazel, was telling me about him. So I downloaded their, their playoff game, and I was watching it the other night. He is really good. Like He's 6'2", measured at 6'2", 195. William & Mary, like I said, he's a guy that like he's going to be a dude probably like late day two, maybe like early day three. And he's going to stick around the NFL for a while. He's got a lot of versatility, uh, played cornerback, played safety. So I think he's a guy that, that's going to open some eyes there. But um, in general, though, they've got a lot of length. Um, smallest guy is Tavon Young at, from Temple. So he's he's going to be a, he's a fun, feisty kid. Uh, but looking at length-wise, Harlan Miller, 6'1". William Jackson, as you mentioned, I like him a lot. I actually think he's like a better version of Trey Wayans uh, from last year. You're going to get him at a nice discount compared to where Wayans went last year. Um, 6'1", DeAndre Hall, 6'2", um, from Northern Iowa, Sean Davis, 6'1", from Maryland, Maurice Canaday. It's kind of an interesting, probably like late day two, maybe day three type. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Canaday fan. Uh, yeah. He's, he took he's, an undue amount of grief early in the year because Josh Rosen and UCLA lit them up. I charted him in that game. He gave up one completion on five targets. Uh, it was everybody else that got picked on in that game. Uh, and he's an he's a six. I think he's a legit six two. Yeah. Uh, probably runs in the, the four five four five five range. So he's not. And they played him in the slot a lot, uh, as well as being the boundary corner. And it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in the NFL. But I, I agree with you. I think he's a second high high third or, or late second round player that that's going to play and do well in the NFL. Yeah, and no, I agree with you. I like him a lot. I feel like no one really talks about him. Yeah, they got a safety coming for next year that's going to be – people are going to love landing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, he, he is all over the place. He is – he's a lot of fun. Totally with you there. Uh, I just want to jump in quick. There, there was a name I wanted to throw out that, you know, he's not a big name, but I'd like to kind of see him get a chance in the Senior Bowl. And that's uh, only because this school's like, pretty close to me. And that's uh, Matt Soltis of uh, East Stroudsburg. You know, I probably not not many people have really seen much of him. I didn't get a chance to really see him, but just because it's East Stroudsburg, yeah, I, th- I think it'd be really cool to uh to see him down there. So senior role, if you're listening, get Matt Soltis <laughs> down to Mobile. 
I'm not familiar with him. What does he play? He's he's their quarterback. Okay. He's a quarterback from East Stroudsburg. Um, yeah, that 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 athletic conference in Pennsylvania, man, that that that's a fun conference. We get a lot of those guys down at the Shrine Game just about every year. I'm not sure if he's going to be there this year, but uh, you're probably better chance getting him there because they yeah. they tend to take some of those guys there. I know we had uh, a couple of guys from Bellhaven, and uh, we've seen you know Clarion, you know, all, all those those little Pennsylvania schools, Slippery Rock. We had Brandon Fusco. He actually made the Senior Bowl. You know, all those schools. I don't know where they are. I, th- I think they're all in the exact same spot in Pennsylvania because I just don't know Pennsylvania geography very well. <laughs> but it seems like they're all the exact same type of players. You know, that blue collar mentality. Uh, it's sort of, you know, not really Pittsburgh, but not really Philly. That kind of in the middle yep. range that uh, they just breed football players. You know, I happen to be from Northeast Ohio, and we have our own style of football there. And and Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania has that too. It's it's uh, it's a treat for me. So I, I'm now I'm intrigued, Bill. I'm gonna have to watch this kid. I think uh, Emery Hunt has kind of talked about him a little bit. I think he's a bit of a fan of him. Like I said, I don't, you know, East Stroudsburg is only like an hour from me. And, uh, you know, I used to play high school here in Northeast PA, and we went down to play one of the high schools in East Stroudsburg. So it, it's pretty close. So just kind of seeing their name, seeing that name there, you know, just because he was on the watch list, you know, so. Yeah, it's always fun to see those guys. Like, I live real close to Grand Valley State here in West Michigan, and we've got a guy, Matt Judon, who's going to the Shrine game. Uh, and if he does well, he's a guy that could get called up to the senior bowl. He's a legit D1 player who wound up at a D2 school because he's, he, he just matured late physically. He's six foot five, 260 pounds, and has a documented 4-6-2-40 as a defensive end outside linebacker. Uh, so it, it's always fun to see those guys when they come. And, you know, Shrine Game, you always get two Canadian guys who nobody's ever seen before. Uh, the legend of Laurent du- Duvernay-Tardif came from there. So, yeah. <laughs> that was oh, very man. good. Yeah, he, he was very good. Uh, I remember uh, uh, Russ Land was down there. Uh, he was working with the Alouettes at the time and was like, nobody watch this guy. Nobody, nobody. We want him. You know, don't talk him up. <laughs> but uh, he, he was too good to stay in the CFL and now is uh, doing pretty well for the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a this has been a fun conversation. We could definitely uh, go all night here. <laughs> I haven't even had a beer yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's when it's gonna get real good. I'm only, I'm only drinking, sitting here drinking Pepsi, but yeah, if we pop open a Miller Lite or something, then we can really get going. <laughs> we'll have to do that James. for another time. What was that? We'll have to do that at another time. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm getting absolutely. the eyes from the wife, like, "Aren't you done yet?" So it's probably <laughs> time for me to be done. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case. All right. So, any final words then from you guys? I just want to thank Jeff for coming on, and uh, this is the best time of the year. It's a bittersweet time of the year, really. It's the best and the worst time, um, as it's the annual Miami Dolphins are eliminated from the playoffs. Um, but so that means it's draft time, which I love draft time, but then it's also sad because we will soon be done with college football for the year. So um, definitely definitely looking to enjoy the last uh, few weeks that I've got here of football. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way and, and in the same boat with the Detroit Lions. This was the most depressing Lions year ever because, like a lot of us, I thought this team was going to win a playoff game this year. I thought they were going to go 10-6, and six, break the, the, the playoff. 
a monkey off their back and man, it just hasn't happened. And now we're going to clean house. Uh, I have to write articles about new general manager candidates, new coaching candidates. Uh, do we trade Matthew Stafford? Do you trade Calvin Johnson? So the, the draft for me is a happy respite. So anytime anybody wants to talk draft, hit me up because uh, it, it will pull me out of a dark place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for uh, stopping by the show this week, man. We really do appreciate it. I'm sorry to hold you back for so long, but it was a, it was a lot of fun having you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Anytime you guys want me on, just let me know. Thanks. Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, and, yeah, as Ian said, you know, it's sad we're getting to the end, but uh, that's how it goes sometimes, I guess. But, yeah, so follow Jeff at Jeff Risden. Ian, of course, is at NFL Film Study. And if you want to follow me, go ahead. If if you want, it's up to you. <laughs> at Bill underscore Setti. Uh So for Jeff, for Ian... I am Bill Rossetti. Thanks for so much for listening to another edition of the Grid Grads, and we'll see you next time right here on GG. Take care, everybody.